Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to discuss Season 3, Episode 2 of Farscape. Sons and Lovers. But except son with a U. Son with a U. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay, I guess technically there are sons here and there are lovers here, but they're definitely playing up the pun because it's... Even though it barely relates to the episode, if it was S-O-N, that would make more sense well i mean there's the the solar storm happening which uh justin manju who is the writer of this episode was trying to do like a perfect storm in space in space the episode's fine i i mean there's an important plot development here yeah and and i wanted to point out to our to our listeners as i pointed out to you in this episode the reason that Jothy is far, far better than Connor, and that is, he does not overstay his welcome. That's true. This is the end of Jothy. For now, apparently, he shows up in, like, the movie. Yeah, he comes back movies. in the movie. Yeah. This is, this just, it feels like another one of those episodes that could have been, like, 20 minutes long. It feels like there's a lot of farting around. If you don't have enough plot for 40 minutes, then come up with more plot. Don't just have people repeat the same actions over and over again or stand around talking techno babble at each other. I don't even I don't even know where where to start with you today. <laughs> Let, let's start with porn. Yes. So so Rigel is watching some homemade porn of Chiana and Jothy. Yeah, he's watching Chiana and Jothy go at it and he like Appears to be aroused by this, even though... Not a body breeder. He's not a body breeder. And we know that he does have sex for pleasure, even though he's not a body breeder, with other Hynerians. Yeah. Like, this would be like somebody getting turned on watching salamanders have sex on Discovery Channel. Like, these are not the... Like, I'm sure that there are people who are, but Rigel, as far as we have seen in the show thus far, is not one of those people. Yes, exactly. But, you know, we need to establish that Chiana and Jothi are having sex. And Rigel needed to be there for some reason. Yeah, well, I mean, they needed to be able to talk about it with a third party. So Rigel is the one who is most obviously not going to run and tell Dargo. Like, any other crew member would immediately run and tell Dargo. Could have been one of the DRDs. (laughs) They could have talked it over with the DRDs. No, no, it could have just been a DRD watching them. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, on the planet where the rest of the crew are, because, you know, every episode, two people stay behind to have sex and or drama, and the rest of the crew goes down to the planet to have sex and or drama. And they're all having drama because this planet is under siege from solar storms. Yes. So, before we get to the solar storms, though, we establish that they are on a commerce station, and... John is pretty much feeling like his future is bright because he has Scorpius locked away in his head. He's got lots of money to spend. Oh, really? That's not what I got from this. He seemed pretty depressed to me. Interesting. He's very, very drunk. This is a bar planet and he has become incredibly drunk. And Dargo's like, hey, bro, lighten up. Things are good. And... John's like, I'm drunk. 
I would say that he, at this point, has everything he could want except the love of the woman he loves. Except he even he even has the love. She's just like, no, I can't. That's got to be hard. It's got to be hard to have the person you love be like, yeah, I love you too, but we can't be together for external reasons that you have no control over. It's because she's a white lighter and the elders are going to punish her if they, uh... Yeah, yeah. Wrong show, but yeah. By the way, we didn't mention, uh, but we cut to it. Chiana and Jothi are having sex amongst the frozen interions that John brought on board. Yeah, the corpses of those guys who are like humans, but not corpse-ish. They're, they're, they're not full-on corpses. They're, they're only mostly dead. By the way, I love the bartender design. I'm glad they're finally, because it feels like... Farscape's kind of not been bringing the puppets recently. It's been a few episodes since we've had a really good puppet. I mean, I guess we had the doctor. The doctor was cool, but he wasn't really a puppet. And one of the things I really liked about the first couple episodes of Farscape is how hard they tried with like the weird puppety alien design. So it wasn't just everyone is people with makeup. And this Mm -hmm. guy is people with makeup, but he has enough kind of prosthetic stuff around him that he feels at least puppet adjacent. I love a head tentacle being worn like a scarf. I, I that's just a look I'm I'm here for, hmm. which is which is what he has. So, on the station, we also see Zan and Stark, and Stark's all like worried about Zan and wanting to get her healed, and she doesn't want him fussing over her. She says, "I'm dying. I'm not an invalid." She's the kind of TV dying where you're just doing stuff up until the point where you actually die. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And John sees Aaron and goes to chat with her. And he's like, so what did you buy? Lip gloss, girly stuff. And she's like, weapons. And he's like, oh, right. That's been our dynamic for like, what, a year at this point? Like, come on. You know who Aaron is. I mean, I know she's very drunk, but. Well, I mean, I think that the joke was he knew it wasn't lip gloss. He knew that she had probably bought some, (laughs) some giant weapons. So. Some lady in the bar is like, oh my god, it's John Crichton. And Aaron's like, no, it's not. And she's like, no, it is. He's super famous. He blew up a gamut base and he attacked the Shadow Depository. And um, he was Robinson Crusoe on that planet of people. Yeah. He's done a lot of stuff at this point. And John's like, yeah, yeah, I'm super famous, whatever. I actually really like this. She says he raped and pillaged his way across the uncharted territories. And John says, I did not rape. I only pillaged because he is a modern man. Yes. So. And she's like, we love that. We love that you are, you know, being a sexy outlaw going around killing the people that we don't like. In fact, we're going to buy you all a drink. We appreciate how much you're sticking it to the man. And by man, she means peacekeepers. And Aaron's like, I'm right here. Look, Aaron, if you were part of a fascist regime that's conquered, not most of, but a lot of the universe, you have to be used to people smack talking you. Yeah. I just think Aaron is is not in the mood for any of this right now. Luckily, she doesn't have to deal with it for long because something happens and the base starts falling apart. The base has been doing the Star Trek shake for... Most of this, uh... The Star Trek shake. Yeah. 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 But now, now things are, like, flat out collapsing. Credits! We come back from credits to the 
partially destroyed station. And John's like, Aaron, where are you? Aaron and only Aaron. I don't care about <laughs> anyone else. Darko, you can effing eat it. Oh, poor Darko. Eh. He deserves everything he got. So the bar or gets rather. Wow. I mean, considering what he he's not he's not great, but considering what he gets, wow. If you disregard the feelings of others, you can't get upset when others disregard your feelings. That's fair. It's it's weird because Dargo is a character who goes through phases for me. Like there there are episodes where he's just the worst person ever, and then there are episodes where he's a very fun character, and I kind of can't really reconcile those two. That's fair. Taking this series like one episode at a time, the way we're doing now, it's definitely standing out and and it's it's much more bolded for me how in some episodes Dargo's just the goddamn worst. What's funny is I always really felt watching this show like Xan was the goddamn worst, but taking it one episode at a time, I'm like, yeah, I I get it. I'm with you, Xan, for the most part. Well, the thing is, it's it's not just that Dargo is selfish, which he is, Mm -hmm. but... He's selfish in ways that he actively punishes other people for trying to help him. Well, it's that he throws tantrums. Yeah. Nobody nobody likes somebody throwing a tantrum. Especially when they're a grown man. This show's Connor is better than him. Because this show's Connor is, like, reasonable. And isn't... You know what? Dargo is this show's Connor. <laughs> Dargo's Connor? Yeah. Dargo is Connor. Yeah, no, actually, that, that tracks really well. Because Connor, from the TV show Angel, his deal... For the two of our listeners who haven't watched Angel. No, that's not fair. I think we have some listeners who aren't Angel fans. Anyway. Or Buffyverse people in general. Yeah. So, but the, but Connor, for those of you who are not, was kidnapped as a baby and then raised by his kidnapper in a demon dimension. Mm -hmm. And then when he came back, he was just mad at everything, including his dad, who, like, had done nothing wrong. His his non-kidnapper dad. His non-kidnapper dad, right. And and he was raised to hate vampires, which Angel, his dad, obviously was. And, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. But it's it's actually a trope I really, really hate, which is when you have a character who's just, like, really mad and angry at the main character for plot reasons in a way that doesn't really make any sense. And it's like, oh, they went through a lot, so... Of course, they're irrational, and we're just supposed to accept their irrationality. Like, my example here, and this may be an unpopular opinion, mm-hmm. is Mara Jade, who from, oh, Mara Jade, from the Star Wars Extended Universe, who upon her introduction is like, ooh, I hate Luke because he betrayed me and the entire Empire by killing the Emperor. And it's like, that's not what betrayed means. Mm. He's your enemy. Because he opposed you and the Emperor and then killed him. But that's not what betrayed means. And then she just, she acts so personally affronted by him. Like, not in the way you would an enemy, but like the way you would if you were betrayed by a lover, which is not their dynamic at all. Anyway. She should have ended up with slightly bigger Luke. Do you you mean Luke as an adult or do you mean Luke's... Are you not aware of Slightly Bigger Luke? No. Okay, so there's this weird Star Wars meme I've seen floating around where they're like, okay, so there are two Luke Skywalkers in Star Wars. There's Luke and there's Slightly Bigger Luke. And you can tell the difference because Slightly Bigger Luke is slightly bigger than Luke. I have not seen that meme. I 
I love I love Gen Z with their Dadaist memes. I'm pretty sure that this is an old school, like, people who read the Star Trek extended novels meme. Because, oh, okay. Or whatever. The Star Wars extended. Yes, because uh, I don't think that Gen Z cares about the original Star Wars movies. I don't know. I think that's true. I think that's right. Well, but my point was that Dargo is Connor. You're right, because he's the person who was held prisoner by the peacekeepers and now that he's free, he acts irrationally angry towards his compatriots because of his trauma, which is Connor's deal. Jothy acts rationally cautious around people he's never met. Although maybe he should have taken a little more caution before he, like, started smashing the butterfly with Chiana. Eh. But also, the, the thing is... I mean, it doesn't excuse it, and it, in fact, makes a bunch of stuff way creepier, but you're supposed to kind of let it slide some with Connor because he's, you know, a literal teenager. But so is Jothy. No, Dargo is not. Oh! Oh! Yes! Yes! Like, it is more irritating when Dargo does the things Connor does because Dargo is a full-grown man. I mean, I will say because I feel like people would point it out otherwise, that when we first meet Dargo and he reveals his age to kind of demonstrate the difference in age ranges amongst different species, Zan says, oh, you're barely an adolescent. So Dargo is a teenager, but they really do drop that. So, they, yeah, And also I, his son is a teenager, so he's, he can't be a teenager anymore. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's like Buffy's PMS vampire power that showed up in the pilot and then never came up again. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's the way that Angel is like an eternal teenager when he first shows up because he was turned when he was like 17, 18, 19. So that's just the age he is forever. And then when we get to the Angel series, the joke is that he's an old man because he's hundreds of years old. Which worked way better because you can also because David Boreanaz was he was man pretty for like 10 seconds. Well, when they cast him, he had that baby face and then he grew out of it really quickly. Like. Before the end of the first season, quickly. Yes. But by PMS, I mean, in the pilot, Buffy used to get cramps when vampires were around. And they dropped that immediately because it makes all of her interactions with Angel like, why didn't that superpower kick in? Oh, I thought you were going to say they kicked it out because it's like, why isn't she more debilitated when she's fighting vampires? Yeah, that seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Well, we know that the original Watchers who imbued the first slayer with the slayer power were dicks so you know it tracks hey your job is hunting werewolves and you'll be able to tell who a werewolf is because you'll vomit uncontrollably for five minutes when you get close to one it's just it it's cutting you off at the knees right at the beginning so back in farscape because of the solar storms moya has been thrown into the docking web but she's okay But everybody on the ship is kind of shook up. You would web Moya? Okay, that's just, that's amazing. And and Jothi has noticed that one of the Interions is moving. (laughs) Sorry. (gasps) Yeah, I... I... I feel like the diagnostician did not keep a close enough eye on what his Igor was doing with these guys that he was freezing because... It seems like a lot of them were not as dead as we were led to believe. 
I was going to say Aaron recovered pretty easily, but I guess she needed all of Zan's life force, which did that un destroy her organs or something? I'm Yeah. I'm still not entirely sure. Okay, so Yeah. Okay, I thought it was just like a psychic energy thing, but the psychic energy healed her physically too or It was life force. It was literal life force. So she got like a life force injection into her organs. I'm, okay, so I it know... It works if you think of it as magic. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I feel like Life Force is one of those things that works if you're in a magic show, but it's not very science-y. Well, no, it's it's not a science cure. It's a magic cure. But Zan has always had access to something like magic. Hmm. But I meant, like, the Scarin, who wasn't really dead. He was just frozen to wait for Scorpius. And these guys who aren't really dead, like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's, you know, how nurses do, like, all of the heavy work for doctors. I feel like it was kind of like that, where the uh, his assistant guy was just like, oh, yeah, this person's definitely dead. And he's like, eh, okay. I'm a very busy doctor, alien. I don't have time to actually look at these patients. Yeah, yeah. Where uh, the Igor kind of did all of the behind-the-scenes heavy-lifting stuff that wasn't actually cutting into people's brains. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, Chiana is running to Pilot's den to help him out, and she runs into Rigel, who's like, hey, by the way, you completely reek of Jothy, and Dargo is 100% going to be able to smell that. We kind of skipped over it, but I do like that Jothy was complaining about them having sex in what is basically a corpse refrigerator. A morgue? Yeah. And uh, Chiana's like, well, we have to do it here because we know Dargo won't walk in on us because he doesn't like the cold. And Jothy's like, well, I also don't like the cold. And Chiana's like, my God, is is nothing enough for you? She doesn't seem to particularly like Jothy all that much considering how much sex she's having with him. Well, I mentioned this to you when we were watching the episode. I, I don't think she likes Jothy at all. I mean, not, you know... Yeah, no, I don't think she likes Jothy. I think that she's scared that Dargo is going to propose to her, which he is. We know he is. We skipped over it, but Dargo showed John what he bought down on the station, which were marriage tattoos. Because mm. that's... We already know that Luxons mark promotion with tattoos. They also mark marriage with tattoos. I like I like a tattoo-based culture. I'm into it. Yeah. But... He, I also like how John's like... Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. And Target was like, what does that mean? And John's like, it doesn't mean anything. I meant good luck. Everything just sounds sarcastic because I'm drunk. And also because I don't think she's going to say yes. Well, I mean, it's Chiana, right? She's not going to want to be, like, think, think about everything you know about Chiana and then ask yourself if she would want to literally be branded to mark her her being tied down to a single person like does anything about her personality tell you that that's a thing she would want which brings me back to what i was saying which is that by having sex with jothy even though she says she doesn't want to get caught she is slamming her hand down on the self-destruct button of this relationship mm. because she doesn't have the you know the the courage or the wherewithal to just say no dargo this isn't working you know who dargo is connor he is Connor, but you know who else he is? No, who? He is Space Ted. Ted Mosby from... He is Space Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, no. Yeah, and Shiana's Space Robin Shcherbatsky. Oh, no. Oh, God, does this actually come back later? I regret to inform you that you are correct. <laughs> 
All right. Anyway. God. Oof. Yeah, and we already know that they can't have kids together because of the. Uh... We do because they did the thing on the kissing planet where you kiss each other and your your spit isn't sweet. But it's okay because uh, he had a broodmare who died conveniently, so he could get what he wanted and still end up with. Spoilers for uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. God, uh, that's one of the shows that really just torched everything with its finale. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again right now. That finale was so bad, it went back in time and destroyed the rest of the series. A series that used to be one of my favorite and, like, would probably still be one of my favorite TV shows. Certain early 2000s norms aside. Problematic aspects of an early 2000s comedy aside, yes, absolutely. Um, why did the perfect episode that is slap bet have to destroy its perfection by having a transphobic joke for 10 seconds? It's so offensive. Well, that's one of the things about How I Met Your Mother, where it's like, we were actively moving out of gay jokes. Mm. Like, we we used to have, uh, we had a, like, a, a game with friends, where whenever there was a uh, gay joke, you'd skip to the next episode and you could burn through the whole series in about 40 minutes. Yep. But... By the time How I Met Your Mother came out, people were like, oh, wait, just being like, haha, gay people exist isn't really funny, but we can still do it with trans people. That yeah. Was the, that was the reason why I feel like I can't really ever recommend How I Met Your Mother, even though it, other than the, other than that one horrible thing, it's a fairly solid comedy. Yeah, well, and it's not just that it's a solid comedy, which it is, it's that... The things it was doing with the structure of a sitcom were so interesting. Like, that episode, The Three Days of Snow, is a brilliant episode that I have basically never rewatched since the series ended because I can't bring myself to rewatch the series because the ending went back in time and destroyed it for me. Yes. Also, Barney Stinson is technically a rapist. Okay, so the way that I was dealing with that when I was watching the show mm-hmm. is I was just telling myself... Ted Mosby is the goddamn worst, which he is. And this is all being filtered through him. So he's making him like that. That is true. One of the things that makes it interesting is that it is literally a show from, like, we're supposed to understand as a show that it is the events through this one man's perspective. Right. We know because of some various things that happen that Ted is an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just told myself that's how he's portraying Barney because... That's how it appeared to him, because he's a dick. Because he's jealous, because, you know, Barney and Robin should have been endgame. Ugh. Shaking my head here. Like, just because you filmed something ten years ago doesn't mean you need to use that footage. Yeah, so to be clear, the deal is that Ted is telling the story to his kids on the couch, and we cut back to the kids on the couch. And they filmed the ending with the kids on the couch, like, towards the beginning of the series. But then... It naturally evolved the way stories do when you're writing them. And they were like, oh, but we have to wipe out everything we've done because we shot what the kids say on the couch. Yeah, like a decade ago when when David Henry was, you know, still a child. Is that the name of the kid? Yeah. I, I don't even know the kid's names. I only know his name. I don't know why. I think he was in something else. The girl was in something else, too. Anyway, but, uh... They they only had it really for the first couple of seasons, and then they'd only use clips of them being like, what? Because, you know, 
the kids aged. Yeah, not so much the girl because she was basically. Like, she was already yeah, she was already like a teenager, so she kind of they could have kept her looking the same. But. Yeah, but you know the younger kid, you know they they had that promotion for the uh, they had that promotion for the last season where they brought both of the actors back and they shot a new couch thing and he's like, I've been sitting on this couch for ten years. Why are you telling me about every single woman you slept with before you before you met mom? And they were like wearing the same clothes and hers looked basically the same because she was basically an adult, but his were like you know kid clothes. Yeah, that was. That was a promotion they filmed for Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Anyway, How I Met Your Mother is awful because of the last episode and because of some other things. So don't watch it. Yeah, that's fair. Farscape. My God, we're so off track. So on the space station, everyone's kind of coming up from the rubble. And even though we're only in the bar, so everyone in the bar is fine. The bartender says, oh, my God, hundreds must be dead so that we know that this is a serious event. And oh no, the cargo hold collapsed, and the cargo was people. Yes, I'm fairly certain I've stolen that joke from somewhere, but oh, <laughs> well, we learn that there used to be three space stations, but they were built on the sacred stillness, the place where the gods are, and so two of the space stations have been destroyed by natural disasters. And the third one is also cursed, and definitely the storms are going to destroy it. Space is really big. It feels like you could have found somewhere else to set up your bar and nursery. Your space station? Yeah. Yeah. Your commerce station? We only basically see the bar and the nursery, though. I guess it's like a mall then, huh? Yeah, it's a mall in space. Oh, space malls are collapsing these days. Yeah, yeah. It was an attainable business model. So, back on the ship, the Iterion, who is, like, way more alive than he should be, is telling Jothi that he was on a mission looking for a specific person, and then he got sick, and then he found Jewel, and then he died. I love how Jothi's just kind of chilling out shirtlessly because he was like, yeah, this is great. Exposition is what I wanted when I went you know, into this freezer with my sexy stepmom. That's, this is what I want. I want some guy to give me his life story before vomiting on me and then die. I love how he's way more grossed out about being vomited on than about the corpse that's cooling at his heels. Well, that makes sense because he's seen a lot of shit. Yeah. He's like, really? Really? I would have put on a shirt if I knew you were going to throw up on me. Although he probably only has like one shirt. Mm. Yeah. Maybe Dargo, instead of buying wedding tattoos, should have bought his kids some clothes. Right? So, Jothi calls to Chiana, and he's like, Chiana, bring me a towel! And Chiana's like, okay, I do not care about what you're dealing with, because what I'm dealing with is I'm looking out of the port of Moya into the port of the space station, and I see that there are children trapped somewhere, so... I'm going to deal with that. Get your own towel. Get your own towel. So in the bar, because Gianna has communicated with Zan, the bartender is explaining like the kids were in the the daycare, the place where you drop off your kids when you shop, which I just have to say for like a place that's supposed to be kind of the wilderness, uncharted, literally uncharted territories. I love that there's a daycare at this mall. And you're going to have kids. It's. It's like in Star Trek, how they have, like, the deck where you store all of the children, and 
you just hope that's not one of the ones that gets offhandedly destroyed when, you know, we've taken heavy damage on decks five through nine. Well, the reason that they... The Enterprise must go through so many people. I mean, I think that, like, when they say that the damage is on decks, like, five through nine, it doesn't mean decks five through nine have been obliterated. It just means, like, the hull has been cracked there, but there's there are redundant barriers. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't assume that, pe- that that means everyone on that deck has been sucked into space. I don't know, they talk about decks being destroyed, too, like from my limited knowledge of Star Trek and just from what I remember. I don't know. I just, I feel like the Enterprise goes through a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the whole deal is that the Enterprise is supposed to be, in in Next Gen, Mm -hmm. the Enterprise is supposed to be the flagship of, you know, Starfleet. It is the the flagship of Starfleet. But it's supposed to be like, Starfleet is friendly and explorers, so they want to draw family people to the ship. So they they actually encourage people on the ships to to be married, to have children. Anyway, the point is, it's not supposed to be going out and doing all the dangerous shit that it does. But then there wouldn't be a show. Mm. So yeah, maybe they shouldn't have been kids on there. But I, I guess my point was, they were making a specific PR point to have children on the ship whereas here this just means that like families do come shop at this commerce station yeah which i love i love that i love that little detail god i guess all of the kids on the ship died during first contact no because they separated the they separated the section that the kids are in that's why they do the separation oh that's why that's why the saucer detaches so then just all of the one-shot adult characters from over the course of the show are dead oh yeah which that's one of the reasons I can't ever super actually get into Star Trek because the main cast always comes off like kind of sociopathic monsters. Callus? Yes. At the end of First First Contact's the big one for me because at the end of First Contact, like everyone's dead except for the main cast and they're all like, oh, but we got to see the first time that uh, humanity met space people or whatever. It's cool that, what, hundreds, thousands of people are dead? Whatever, sucks for them. Party! Ah!" Okay, so I actually, that's actually one of the reasons it's hard for me to watch the movies. I feel like that wasn't so much of a thing during the show as it was in the movies because the movies kind of wanted to be more action adventure which meant a lot more people died Mm. so i guess i agree with you i just feel like that's definitely much more a movie thing that's also just to keep pivoting that's also kind of my problem with the disney movie atlantis do you remember no that's i was good i was about to bring that up because like you have, you know, oh, it's the core group of, like, goofy characters, and it's, like, you know, the the guy who likes to blow stuff up, and the French guy who digs tunnels and farts a lot or whatever. And, you know, oh, and it's Milo, the goofy nerd guy who translates stuff. James Spader from Stargate. Yes, essentially. But, like, in order to get them to Atlantis, like... They have a ship that has hundreds of people on it. And they're like, well, we don't want to do a thing for hundreds of people. So everyone dies except the main group. And then they're all like sitting around making fart jokes and stuff. And I'm like, hundreds of people just died. You're all kind of monsters, right? Like, yeah, they they do not seem to care at all about all of the people who die on the ship. Yeah, like there's one scene where they light a candle and then they're like, oh, you know, uh, joke, 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 joke. And I'm like, if you want to be dark, be dark, but don't. 
you can't just disregard the fact that a lot of people died so that Milo could go on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Farscape. So the bartender, who I guess just knows every inch of this ship, which I kind of love. That, that seems appropriate to me. But he is guiding John and Aaron through the Jeffrey's tubes that aren't really Jeffrey's tubes because this isn't Star Trek. Yeah. Of the ship so that they can get to the nursery and find the kids. He got mostly smooshed, but... So... John and Aaron are looking for the trapped children, but also having, like, really sexy conversations about their relationship. And Aaron- I love, I love this scene. Oh, yeah? I love this scene because Aaron's like, look, we can still have sex. It's really common among the peacekeepers to uh, reduce pre-battle stress through selective fluid emissions. And John's like, what? And she's like, I really don't know how I could make it more clear than that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we can have sex. I'm, I'm, no, I'm trying not to catch the feels, as the kids said, like, five years ago. But, you know, it's fine if we can, you know. Is, is that supposed to be sex? That's how I do it. <laughs> Honestly, Aaron is just taunting him, right? Because there's no way that they are going to have sex and and neither of them are going to catch feels. They are both going to catch all of the feels if they have sex. I just I love it cuz he's like, "Oh, cool. So so we can be together." And she's like, "No. We can be together physically, but don't bring emotions into it." And John's like, Okay, so we're Dina and Garrett in, like, what, season three of Superstore? Yes. Spoilers for Superstore. So then Aaron is standing on a a grate above where they need to be, and she's like, yeah, let's do it. And she unzips her shirt. This is, like, the most, like, denied fan service ever. She unzips her shirt. She starts to open it, and just as it reaches the point where she would have opened her shirt... The, the grate that she's standing on collapses and she falls through. This is why you don't stand on grates. Oh, I thought you were going to say this is why you don't get naked on a PG TV show. Also that, but don't stand on grates. It's like standing under air conditioners where probably nothing's going to happen, but I mean. Why, why take that chance? It? Yeah. So she's like, oh, I, I, uh, now that I've fallen into this tunnel, forget sex. I'm going to see if I can, uh. You know. Rescue the kids. And Jen's like, oh, great. That's how I was hoping this rescue mission would go. <laughs> so Pilot calls John. He's like, hey, John, uh, remember earlier when you told me that you thought the path of the storm was suspicious? And John was like, no, because Max and Tina didn't mention that. And Pilot's like, well, that happened. And it turns out that you're right, that the storms are being directed towards the space malls. The The storms have been kind of guided into the space malls and there's some blah blah technology blah that's going on and this is intentional this isn't just space being space and john's like hmm hmm yeah the storm turned 90 degrees to come and hit them as a floridian as a as a person who grew up in florida as a florida native Mm -hmm. i have to say um hurricane charlie turned quite a ways to come directly to where I was, an area that absolutely should not have been hit by a hurricane, but I'm pretty sure it's not for any, like, malicious reason. I'm pretty sure storms are just really, really capricious. 
that that that's the thing about weather it it just happens a lot of the time like yes there are things that indicate what and where the weather is going to happen but sometimes weather just happens like you you can predict it you can have models but at the end of the day maybe charlie's gonna turn and come up the peace river even though that's ridiculous which is what happened Hmm. so Rigel has flown down to the exploding planet because he doesn't want to be murdered by Chiana. Yeah, he's like, can we get out of here? And they're like, no, we have to rescue this. Now, they've only seen one child, but it's we're going to find out it's multiple children. They're like, we have to rescue these this child first. And Rigel's like, really? Wait, wait, let me, let me, let me try to do my, uh, we must save the children. I can't do it. Damn it. Was that, was it Skeletor? Yeah, from the He-Man Christmas special. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I I love the Skeletor voice so much, but I, I I can't do it. It's it's a talent. It is a talent. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I already famously can't do voices, so I'm not even going to attempt it. The bartender who, yes, is dying, is like, okay, so uh, you should know that there are some religious zealots who are... Uh, you know, obsessed with the fact that we are built on the sacred silence, so maybe they're doing something to direct the storms to us. Mm. And John's like, really? Really? And then the girl who was like, hey, we love you, John Crichton, is like, yep, yep, that's me. I did it. There's nothing you can do to stop me. Ha ha. She's playing it close to the vest, but it's really obvious. She's like, some might say that we deserve it for disturbing the sacred stillness some might say this is divine punishment and all the children deserve to be crushed to death and john's like okay well i'm probably gonna have to kill you later in the episode but as for right now whatever i'm you know what shut up i'm gonna go save those kids and she's like yeah uh so back on the ship targo's like jothy what do you smell like? And Jothi's like, I got vomited on. I took two baths. And Targo's like, you smell like women's perfume. And she Are you like, using ladies? Are you using lady products? Are you a girl? Are you a little baby girl? Should I put bows in your genital tentacles that we have instead of hair? <laughs> Chiana's like, I gave it to him. And Targo's like, well, I really like this smell, whatever it is. And Jothi gets upset and walks up. He's like, Jothi, I was only teasing. And Jothi's like, I literally don't know you. This is not our relationship. Yeah, well, you can't we, You can't gently tease me. Also, it's not cool. Also, we gender-based teasing. What a fresh concept in space. So after he storms off, Dargo's like, hey, Chiana, can I, like, talk to you? And Chiana's like, no, not really. We're in the middle of a thing, and I'm not super happy with you right now. And Dargo's like... Okay, but I kind of want to propose... And Chiana's like, no. Gotta go. Talk to you later. Chiana, out! Also, well, children are being crushed to death probably isn't the time to... Right? You know, I think I said earlier on that this isn't a particularly bad Darko episode, but that was wrong. (laughs) No, no, it's it's definitely, it's definitely a a bad Darko episode. Oh, uh, I do want to bring up... That uh, the DR- they brought the DRDs onto the ship to 
you know, go look for survivors, figure out what's going on. Onto the station. Onto the station, yes. And one of the DRDs is the one that John originally fixed in the pilot. Yeah, old Benty. One eye. One eye. So, Zan kind of shoes the DRD off to go look for crushed children. And Stark's like, hey, so I've noticed that you're hiding a lot of your head and face. Is it like a Virginia Hayes is allergic to makeup, let's not put it on thing? Or is it a you're dying a lot faster than you thought thing? I I really need to see the top of your head. And and Zan's like, no, 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 we're not doing that. And he's like, come on, come on. Show me the top of your head. Do it. And then she's like, hey, you know how I left the show because I couldn't stand the makeup? Look at all of the dying sores makeup they made me put on my head. It's it really just, gross. It feels mean to Virginia Hayes. It really does. Oh, you don't like the makeup? How about some more makeup, Scarecrow? <laughs> oh, I was trying for a more fire Scarecrow thing, but then there was the Tin Woodsman who actually, you know, died or whatever because of the lead paint. So He didn't die. He just couldn't do the show. And they had to replace him with someone else. Yeah. So... Nowadays, they just CGI it on because you don't have to pay uh, unions for that. It's true. They would. So Aaron is down in the bowels of the station looking for the kids. And Jothi and Chiana are talking. And they're like, oh, no. What are we going to tell him? He's going to know. And Dargo comes in and is like, know what? And Chiana's like, know that this Interion died and it's all our fault. And Dargo's like, it wasn't your fault. Sometimes people die. Sometimes people die, Chiana and Jothi. I just I just really like that Chiana was quickly able to cover what she was talking about. People in TV are really, really bad at lying, and I like that Chiana wasn't. She's like, yeah, really easy to lie. So Dargo's smelling something else, and Chiana's like, I don't smell anything. He's like, you don't have my sophisticated nose something's going on. Also, why are you two down here? Why were you two down here in order to free the Interion? And Chiana's like, we were just checking on the corpses. And uh, Dargo's like, no, no, you weren't. And Jockey's like, did you talk to Rigel? And Dargo's like, Jesus Christ, I'm, I am really bad at picking up on stuff, but you guys are being so blatant. I know something's up. Yeah. Yeah, and then he gets angry at Jothi, and he's like, how dare you betray me with my Manan, which is, like, wife for Luxons. And she's like, um, I'm not yours, remember? You haven't proposed, and I was definitely not going to say yes. And then he, like, shows off the union tattoo, and is like, and is like I was going to propose to you with this brand. I definitely thought you were going to want to get branded. And then he, like, brands Jothi in anger, which is abusive and weird and not okay and also now Jothi's gonna go through life with the female half of a marriage tattoo on his torso awkward see just terrible parenting terrible terrible parenting yeah terrible parenting and then like the the knife the knife twist at the end of it is that uh, Dargo reveals that the thing that he was smelling when he was like, oh, what's that smell, was not the sex. He was smelling the the coolant leak on Moya. Wah, wah. Yeah, so everything is freld, as they say. Although, honestly, 
it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this is terrible, but also, it's good that Dargo and Shiana aren't going to get together. They, they... They were a bad couple. It, they're not a good match as far as what they want out of life. And also, it's good that Jothi is going to get out of here because this is not a healthy situation for him even before everything. Yeah, I really like Jothi and I'm like... Because the thing is, you should feel bad for Dargo. His girlfriend was cheating on him with his son. Objectively speaking, that's not great. Yeah, you should feel bad for him. And yet. And yet. So, God, I love Stark. Because uh, one of the DRDs has located, there's like a homing beacon for the storms. Uh Uh-huh. And the the DRT's sensing it and Stark just picks it up and starts pointing it at people. Yeah, he's and just running around using it like it's a like it's a, a divine rod. Yeah. <laughs> and it it beeps at the lady who's like maybe we deserve to be destroyed because we built a mall on the sacred lands. And Stark's like, "Oh, it's her. It's obviously her. Did none what? of What? The woman that it obviously is is the one who's doing it? Did none of you pick up on this? I, I mean, he has a few superpowers. He's a telepath. He has the whole death thing. He's got a star in his head. But really, one of his better superpowers is common goddamn sense. Yes. Now, uh, we should say they thought that the thing drawing the storm was going to turn out to be like a mechanical device that they could destroy. But it turns out that the woman herself is the thing that's drawing the storm. Like, she has turned her body into a storm thing. And also, she's... Figured out a way to magnetize her body, so she flies up and sticks herself to the roof of the space station, and they can't get her down. I, I, she's going full Evil Dead here because I her, was. Her eyes go white, and she's you know chanting you know in fake ancient alien. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very very Evil Dead. So she is stuck up on the wall and. Yeah, her eyes are her eyes are all white and she's chanting to draw the storm to them and they can't get her down and they can't cut her down because if they cut through where she is, then the temperature control will freak out and they'll all freeze to death anyway. So, yep. Also, Rig- so Rigel just wants to kill her because that's the logical thing to do and John's like, uh, what if we kill her and it doesn't work? Then what? Then what is the plan? Well, and Rigel's like, well, if it doesn't work, then we're in the same situation, but we don't have to listen to her chanting in whatever dumb language she's speaking. That's that's fair, but I, I feel like John is in the right here, because John, John hasn't given up yet. To say at least then we won't have to hear the chanting is definitely giving up. But then Rigel does just slam like a, a gag in her mouth so that he doesn't have to listen to it anymore. John also take, goes behind the bar and takes another shot, because he's like, I'm, I'm just not in a mental position to be sober to deal with any of this i mean i I can't imagine he's sober at the moment like yeah oh no he's definitely not he's definitely not so he talks to pilot about finding something else ferris to draw her away from the bulkhead so that's smart and he tells aaron hey aaron um you're gonna have to abandon those kids because things are getting worse here and she's like no definitely not pilot tells them that the the little uh freezy tubes that the interions are in are super ferrous and that if they brought those it'll it would she would stick to them (laughs) i'm sorry this is i know it's not in the context of the universe but this is just very very silly 
No, it is silly. It's true. But it's okay. I like I like it silly. I, I like that it's not too serious. Meanwhile, John's ass goes to talk to Dargo. Right, because John's like, we'll have Dargo bring them here. And Pilot's like, for some reason, Dargo's not answering. And Raj is like, oh, did he find out that Chiara and Joffy are fucking? And John's like, okay, we are on several time-sensitive things right now, but I will drop all of that and go, like, talk with Dargo about his feelings. It's kind of... It, it's kind of weird that early, early on there was a big thing with uh, John being the subject of a lot of shots that are normally female gazy. We talked about it a lot in the first few episodes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they kind of dropped that. It, it was just the way the kind of the camera followed John's ass as he walked up to Dargo. I was like, huh. His, his the, the camera was definitely focused on his leather clad ass. No, I did. I. I noticed it. It's just for been, sure. It's been a while since they've done that, so I was like, "Huh." I I follow a lot of Farscape people on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I saw someone tweeting last week. Uh, they they got retweeted into my timeline by one of the Farscape people I follow. Uh, they were saying that they were watching Farscape for the first time, and when they first saw John, they were like, "Okay, whatever, bland white boy." And then by season two, they were like. Oof. John, oh my! <laughs> and I feel like that's, I mean, correct. Ben Browder is kind of blandly attractive. I feel like a lot of it is sort of the frame, the framing of him as a character, like the way the camera focuses on him. Right. I mean, the tweet was implying that it's John's personality, which I do love. Mm. But no, that's that's what I I think that the camera is teaching us to objectify John. Yeah, because it's shooting him in a female gazy way. And considering the the super fan servicey Aaron unzipping her top in this episode, I appreciate some fan service for the uh, for the male liking people with gazes. Mm. I read this thing about how uh, female gaze isn't really a thing. The like the whole it's just male gaze applied to men when like what they're doing with John here when men are shot like women. And I'm like, I don't. No, I would disagree with that true. strongly. Yeah, that it seemed like a weird take. I I wish I remember the context of it. So I was actually thinking about this very thing yesterday mm-hmm. because we were watching the 2000 Charlie's Angels, as you Max know, and as people who follow me on Twitter might know. And it is very male gazy. And I was thinking about how much I loved that movie when I first saw it, which I still do. Yeah. And how watching it as a woman in the year 2000, I watched it and I was like seeing these women framed in in a male gaze way, but like they seemed so like comfortable. No, no, like. Joyful isn't the right word because it's an action movie, but but it's actually a very fun action movie. So joyful, maybe joyful, but... And it's like, I wanted to be in there and be a part of that. And then I thought about how in some movies that have come since then that don't incorporate the male gaze, that incorporate what I would call the female gaze, like Ocean's 8, I watch that and instead of thinking, instead of having the same feeling, I have a different feeling, which is I feel like I am a part of that. Hmm. And so I would, I I would, if I was going to talk about male gaze versus female gaze, that's where I would start digging in. It's weird to say because there are, there are things in the 2000 
Charlie's Angels movie that have aged poorly. Oh, there's a lot of just casual racism in that movie. It's, it's... It, yeah, there oh, there is oh. a lot of casual racism. It's It's weird to say because, like, Charlie's Angels as a franchise is sort of fan service driven, I feel like is the way one would say. But the characters don't, in the 2000s movie, don't particularly feel objectified, if that... I would disagree with that statement. I mean, just, just, uh, what do you mean by not objectified? They always feel like people in control of the situation. It never feels like they're being forced to do this, that, and the other. It's, it's weird because they're not really characters, but one of the things that struck me was how the whole thrust of at least the 2000s movie is that each of these women is part of this sort of weird elite class of people who are just super competent at everything. Mm -hmm. Well, but it's like, even though the film portrays, say, for example, Natalie as confident and comfortable in her own body... It's not Cameron Diaz who chose to do a little dance in just a t-shirt and superhero underoos. It is the male director who chose yeah. to have her do a little dance in t-shirt and superhero underoos. Yeah. And there's a whole discussion about that. You know, it is, it's weird because what you said when we were watching it, it's one of the things where you, you watch it and you're like, wow, music, uh, music video directors should do more movies, which is not something I think anyone thought when leaving the original Suicide Squad movie. Oof. But... I just meant because it was very kinetic and I feel like a lot of superhero movies like really drag in the action sequences and these action sequences were just... Fun. Fun. It's such a weird line because the characters are aggressively sexualized and you're right, it is, it's a male director. It just, it doesn't feel as, like, gross as, you know, in a Michael Bay Transformers movie when Megan Fox is just leaning over a car. Well, I was, so I was going to say, yeah, Megan Fox doesn't look like she's having fun cleaning the car. I don't want to be Megan Fox. But the Charlie's Angels look like they're having fun angeling. I want to be an angel. Well, in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of kids playing. Because it's just, oh, now I'm going to be this. Now I'm going to be this. And you're just that for as long as it's fun for you. Yeah. Well, so what I would say is about Charlie's Angels is that it's still aggressively fanservice-y. It still aggressively has the male gaze. But the tone is so frothy and fun that it doesn't feel oppressive. Yeah. It's a very fun movie from the early 2000s. It's not going to be upheld as the ideal of anything. But. I just, it would be really great if some of the lessons about how to shoot action sequences could be taken from this movie and placed into other, less problematic movies. That would be great. I would love that. It would be nice if characters seemed like they were having fun when doing stuff. Maybe don't torture all of your actors and make them have 0% body fat. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. And then when one of your actors, who's a guy I don't even particularly like at this moment in time, so, you know, whatever, when one of your actors decides he's not going to have 0% body fat and he just looks good, like a normal, good-looking guy, maybe don't have everyone make fat jokes about him. Yeah, that, uh, Farscape. <laughs> Sons and lovers. Sons and lovers. 
So- Where are we even? Chiana and John are bringing the, the capsule on board so that they can stick the girl to the capsule. <laughs> and, and guide the uh, storm away from the deck with all the trapped children. Yes. And presumably the rest of the space mall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we skipped over the part with Dargo that I, I actually really thought was kind of important. When John was talking to Dargo about, hey... Everyone knows that Shiana and Jothi are having sex. You're a giant idiot, but we have other things to deal with now. Shut up, shut up, shut up. But actually, it was the opposite of that. It was when Dargo asks him, did you know that Shiana was having sex with Jothi when I was telling you I was going to propose to her? And John's like, no, I did not. I just found out about it. But yes, he says, I just found out that she was having sex with Jothi, but also I knew that she wasn't going to say yes to you because you to clearly went into this relationship with very different ideas about where it was going. Yeah. Like, I didn't know the specifics of why she was going to say no, but I knew she was going to say no. Mm-hmm. And Dargo's like, I'm going to go cry to Pilot. And Pilot's like, we're doing other stuff. So Dargo says, so what I'm going to do is get super, super drunk and go outside Moya and free her from the cables, which is a thing that needs to be done. But, you know, maybe don't be drunk when you do it. Wouldn't be the first time I fell off his spaceship drunk. It's true. So on the space station, they bring in the uh, the capsule, and they just kind of they just kind of shove her to the side, and she's like, "Well, I, I so I like this." She says to Rigel, "You know, the end is coming. You should repent." And Rigel and Rigel says. I was a dominar, and we only have an hour left before the storm hits the station. I definitely don't have time to repent. And they wheel out the capsule, and she's like, what, this is supposed to scare me? And then John opens it up and is like, well, it's magnetics, Ferris, so... And she's like, oh no! And then she falls into the capsule, and they lock her up. And then everything's fine, and the episode ends. No, just kidding, that's not how that ends. Dargo is up on the top of Moya, and he's getting the cables freed, but... You know, he's super drunk. He got drunk pretty fast. Well, presumably he's been drinking for the last, like, half an hour. And Targo's like, okay, um, there are two cables left, but they're electrified. Can you turn them off, Pilot? And Pilot's like, it's the web from the station, Dargo. Do you not understand how ships work? I don't have control over what's happening on the station. I can't turn the lights off in someone else's house. Anyway, Dargo's like, whatever, I'll just do it myself. And Chiana's like, hey, John, will you talk to Dargo and tell him not to electrocute himself, please? John's like, buddy, buddy, do you think maybe this is a stupid thing that you're about to do? Yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe wait till I get up there and, uh help you out, but I'm in the middle of hauling the magnetic girl, so... And Dargo's like, no time! And then he just electrocutes himself and floats out into space. He's tethered to Moya, thank goodness, but he is uh, unconscious. Oh no, and he can only survive in space for like seven hours or whatever. He's got a respirator on. We know that Luxons can survive in space for like half an hour to 45 minutes, and he's got a respirator on, so you know what? He's fine. Just deal with your stuff and then go get him later. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I love how John's going to save Dargo and Pilot's like, Hey, buddy, so I know you're trying to save Dargo and that's, like, swell and all. But if, like, you can't, Moya says that she's ready to just book it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then Jaffe's like, oh no, I feel like this is somehow my fault. Can I come help you, John? And John's like, no, then I'll just have to save two stupid Luxons. <laughs> then John puts on a really dumb looking spacesuit. Really? I like the spacesuit. It looks like it's made out of hefty bags. Well, it's the spacesuit that we've seen uh, Peacekeepers wearing before, so we pres- he presumably got it from Peacekeepers. I like that. Mm. I like that presumably a Peacekeeper spacesuit is more effective than his NASA one, his IASA one, so he switched off. I like that kind of character detail, and of course... Speaking of John's IASA... That spacesuit sure doesn't leave much to the imagination. Again... The camera is directly following John's ass as he crawls across Moya. Like, it is center shot all the way up. I'm like, really didn't need to frame it like this. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, it seems like it's been a while since it's just been John's ass right in the camera for an extended period of time. It's certainly been a while since I noticed it. Also, the spacesuit is kind of loose everywhere except John's ass. <laughs> It's like hefty bag, hefty bag, hefty bag, saran wrap. That is accurate. So Erin is finally at the door of the daycare and she's like, all right, I'm here. What's the access code? And the bartender's like, the access code is... Ugh. And he dies. Dead. Maybe you should have told her before <laughs> in case this happened. Eh. So the guy's dead and uh, she's like, I need to find another way in. And Stark's like, maybe I could use my talking to dead people powers. And she's like, can you? And he's like, "Eh." Aaron's like, don't worry. I didn't buy these giant guns not to use them. We don't have time for mystical bullshit. I can just shoot stuff. And she shoots a hole to the children who are all human looking and waiting to get out. Yeah, it's, um, she shoots off the lock. I think she was like kind of aiming to the lock of the hatch. And yeah, the daycare's full of children who are otherwise okay, although they look a little nervous at the giant peacekeeper holding a giant gun, but the children are okay. I have replaced your mother, tiny one. Blah! That was a Futurama reference. Anyway, John comes, he saves Dargo, he releases the cable because... Uh, as John's, long as they're there. John's good at everything, right? He manages to rescue Dargo and do the job that Dargo was supposed to be doing. Maybe he should be one of Charlie's angels. Oh my god, I would love that. I mean, Moya's angels? I mean, maybe for the next reboot of Charlie's Angels, it'll be three sexy dudes who dress up all sexy and listen to a female voice box. I'd be okay with that, but also I'm just imagining, like... John and Stark and Dargo in, like, the classic... Stewardess. We're going undercover as stewardesses. We're going undercover as go-go dancers. We're going undercover as bikini ladies. Yes, but also I'm just imagining them in the classic back-to-back pose. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting that you chose Dargo as your third part of... Well, only because he's the right height for it. Ah. I mean, I guess you're not exactly spoiled for choice. Yeah, who would be your third? I mean, honestly, if he wasn't leaving this in this episode, Joffy. But I don't know. I guess it's I guess it's pretty much just between Dargo and Pilot and uh, <laughs> and Rachel. Well, but he can't be Pilot because it's Moya's Angels, right? So, mm. so he'd be Bosley then. Yeah, Pilot is Bosley. Pilot is Bosley. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, D- John frees the ship, brings Dargo down to safety. John is a fucking action hero. 
and Jothi's like, where's my dad? And he's like, he's fine. He's with Chiana. I don't have time to deal with this. So John says they need to to fly away from the space station now that they have, you know, the the magnetic chick. So that the storm follows them and goes away from the station. And they can't starburst away because if they starburst, then the storm won't be able to follow them. So they just need to go away at maximum impulse. Mm. Speaking of going away at maximum impulse, Chiana and Jaffe go to talk to Dargo and he's like, oh, I really don't want to talk to you two right now. Yeah, I need some space, like, forever. And they're like, no. And he's like. So the magnetic chick has managed to get out of the pod and change what it is that she's magnetically attracted to. So now she's stuck to a piece of Moya instead of to the pod. So they can't just shoot the pod out into space. And she's like, ha ha, I have bested you. What you gonna do now, John? And John's like. Well, those panels are detachable. I love how he builds up to it, though. He's like, yep, that's right. You beat us. You win. We lose. Except, apparently one of the things that didn't get cut out of my brain was Columbo. There's one more thing. (laughs) One more thing. (laughs) One more thing. That panel's detachable. Enjoy the vacuum of space. And also, like, when he he closes the, the door so that the... So that he can breathe oxygen and it's like, go ahead, pilot, release that panel into space. Pilot starts laughing maniacally. He's like, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's really creepy. <laughs> it's which I, I mean, I know she was trying to murder a bunch of children or whatever, but maybe don't take that much pleasure in her well, she, fairly she, horrible death. She almost killed Moya. And that's that's the thing that, that that's pilots like berserker button. Mm hmm. Back on the space station, we see the children reunited with their parents so that you don't worry about that. Mm. Of the hundreds who were killed, they were not the parents of the kids, so the kids are okay. Hooray, everyone I know is alive. Except for the bartender, who did in fact die. Yes. And John's like, hey, Aaron, now that this is all over, do you want to have sex? And she's like, no. You know what, I'm good. He's like, but what about all of our body fluids? And she's like, I guess we'll just have a backlog. And honestly, she's almost she's almost cracking at that. She's almost laughing. Yeah. Which I think is a Claudia Black, not an Aaron thing. <laughs> yes, but because it's on film, it becomes an Aaron thing. And I kind of like it because it makes it makes this tension more playful than excruciating. Mm. Meanwhile, Jothi's like, so I'm gonna leave. And Shannon's like, really? You're just gonna I guess Luxon goodbye. Yes, you're just gonna Luxon goodbye. And he's like, Yeah, like my dad's super pissed at me, and you know, I really don't have an emotional connection to anyone here. So bye. And Shiona's like, Oh, okay, I guess you know how much time your dad spent looking for you, right? And he's like, Yeah, but he doesn't want to see me now, and I'm totally okay with that. You know, I didn't know him growing up. This means literally nothing to me. And Jenna's like, it's just, we went through so much crap to find you. Yeah. Like. Also, Chiana feels bad. She's like, this is kind of my fault. I kind of did it because he was going to propose to me and I didn't want to live on his stupid farm for my whole life. And Jothi's <sighs> uh, like, yeah, I get that impulse. You you know you can leave too. And she's like, nah. Nah, I'm front credited. Yeah, I gotta stay. And by the way. This whole thing that they're doing, which includes the whole, like, I don't want Dargo to know I'm doing this thing. 
Dargo's watching it on the view screen. Like, do they not realize that Boya can see them everywhere and project anything onto the view screens? God. There's like no, no privacy. Yeah, there is no privacy on this ship. Oof. Anyway, Dargo's crying. It's sad. And Shiana's like, well, just go. I'll tell him that you loved him or whatever. And uh, he kisses his fingertips and then touches her face. And uh, bye, Jothy. I enjoyed you while you were on this show. Unlike Connor, you did not overstay your welcome. Honestly, I would have liked it if you'd stayed longer and maybe replaced Dargo. Yeah, you could have swapped him out. (laughs) Dargo could have been the one that gets brainwashed into having a normal family that lives in New Jersey or wherever. Wherever uh, they sent Connor off to. Right. And then Dargo dramatically burns the uh, the brand, the tattoo brand for the Union tattoo. The one he didn't slap on his kid. Well, I think that the ta- that we've been calling, he calls it a tattoo. We've been calling it a tattoo, but it's actually a brand. So I think you can use it multiple times. Mm. But yeah, no, he, he burns it. The end. Yeah. I guess I'm less mad at this episode now that we've talked it out but it wasn't one of my favorites i this isn't an episode i ever think of other than the chiana has sex with jothy and gets caught part that that part i remember but other than that it's not an episode i really think of well it felt like a filler plot it felt like okay we need to have something happening around the fallout from chiana and jothy having sex but having gone through it i mean i like First of all, I love the resolution of the shooting the Moya panel off into space with her. I I like the bartender and the scenes in the bar. I, I you know what it feels like kind of a necessary respite after everything we've had where the characters kind of check in emotionally with each other and see the bad places they're all in before you know, moving on, right? So we see the bad place Zan and Stark are in with Zan being near death. We see the weird place that John and Aaron are in their relationship. And, you know, worst of all, <laughs> we see that we, we see the resolution of the uh, Chiana and Jothy having sex. Plot. Plot. So, I don't know. This is one of those things where, you know, it's like one of those paintings where if you look at it really close, you can see a bunch of cool individual details. But when you take a step back, it's just garbage. Not garbage, but, you know. It's like the opposite of those paintings where it doesn't make sense until you step back and look at it. All of the individual parts are good, but as a whole, it's terrible. Ah. Or not terrible, but just, I don't, I, after we were done with this episode, I was just like, I am probably never going to watch this episode ever again. So it just, it didn't come together for you? No. Like it was, it was less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, because it's fine. It's a fine episode. It's not like... It's not like the Litigaria episode. Or, you know. <laughs> well, honestly, that was the worst episode ever. So I hope nothing is ever as bad as the Litigaria episode. But it just reminds me of what I believe most of Star Trek is. Because my understanding of Star Trek is that, like, every season has, like, three or four really good episodes. And then a lot of episodes where literally nothing happens. Well, the reason I love Farscape is because of the character development and the character interaction. So for me, having an episode that was a lot of downtime plot-wise, but just a moment to catch our breath and kind of reset where we are emotionally was not a bad thing. But like you said, it's not an episode I rewatch. And also, I feel like it would have worked better if it kind of didn't have the storm plot. Like if it was just about decompressing and resetting character relationships, 
I feel like that would have worked a lot better than, you know, okay, it's an it's an action show, so we have to crowbar in. Well, I mean, since you said that, this is definitely a thing that makes it an early 2000s show that the two plots don't really relate to each other thematically. There's not really something thematically relating. Oh, no, the relationships are like a storm being guided by religious extremists. Yeah. Uh, so our next episode coming up is Self-Inflicted Wounds Part 1, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. And the plot description is, Moya is critically damaged when an alien ship collides and fuses with her. You would fuse, Moya! Please don't ever stop. Please keep doing this for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Whenever anything happens to Moya, I will do this. But also, it's a little early in the season to be getting the movie, isn't it? This isn't the movie. This is, uh... I mean, is this a spoiler? We've been talking about this. This is this is the two-part Zan send-off. Yeah. So. I, I Just plant her in the ground and a new one will grow. She's not Groot. Even she's though a, she kind of is. She She's a plant, though, I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, I, yeah. So we have some segments. Yes, we do. So and we actually have stuff for these segments for, you know. I, I do. We don't always... Yeah, that's true. Um, So our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you. I have a few things I want to talk about here. I kind of just, I know this isn't a new thing for Farscape, but I kind of just really like the idea of a space mall and the fact that it has its own like section where you drop off your kids while you go to buy a, like, it's like a cartoon black market where, you know, it's an actual pier one-esque place you go to yeah no that was one of mine i love that it's a space mall that like thought about okay well how how would this actually work not just what we need for the plot but like what would you need in a space mall and you would need you would need a daycare drop-off thing like an ikea yeah yeah so that was definitely one of mine too and my other is not really world building so much as just really liking the idea that this alien race had the ability to magnetize themselves and and change their magnetization so they were sticking to different types of material. That I, that was cool. That was cute. We know she could undo it. She could have not been stuck to that thing anymore. But by the time she realized that, she was already blasted out into space. Like, I mean, sure, but yeah. space. Space! She definitely had time to unstick herself and, like, run for the door. Well, no, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. Eh. Eh, whatever. Maybe it takes a little while. <laughs> yeah, it, it must take a little while. Otherwise, she would have prevented herself from being coming stuck to the capsule in the first place. Hmm. So our second segment is strange alien creatures. And I think we're probably going to talk about the same strange alien creature. The bartender? Because I'm so glad that they're finally doing more puppet stuff again. It feels like it's been so long. Yeah, the bartender, he had like this huge kind of insect-like hump mm-hmm. with with appendages coming out of it and as i said before like a head tentacle being used as a scarf which i always love yeah the thing is like it, it is just like a dude with stuff on him like a lot of the things except it was more it was way more puppety than it normally is it's more like you know sweetums yeah i think it was a human face but like inside of a giant puppet yeah and also, it seemed to, it felt to me the way he was designed, because the puppet was so large. Yeah. That it was almost like, 
pilot, but as a bartender. Like, if pilot was installed behind a bar instead of in a ship, this is this is what that would look like. Yeah. I really liked it. And our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen. Is that mm. what we were calling the last segment? Now that we've changed the opening monologue? Yep. All right, so the last segment is The Wonders That I've Seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you. Nothing. Really? Not even the not even the we could have sex talk between John and Aaron? No. I mean, probably my favorite part of the episode is when that guy dies in front of Jothy and he's like, oh, gross, you threw up <laughs> on me. Which isn't exactly a, you know, wonders I have seen. It just, it seemed like a very realistic reaction to being vomited on. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a real moment. <laughs> but I don't really think that's a wonder I have seen. Uh, I think I'm kind of the same way where I didn't have an emotional reaction to it other than like the emotion being pleasure at watching it, which was when they come back from the space station and John's like, so sex? And Aaron's like, nope, no. Wah, wah. Yeah. But they're kind of, and I think the reason that that hits me is because they're kind of back to being playful with each other and, and not so dour. Mm. Not so, oh, you, I, I died for you. Oh, no, she died for me because of the thing that lived in my brain or whatever. Exactly. So I guess that will do it for this week. Yeah, I think that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash welcome to television. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maricruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>